Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. As we get set up, um, how are you doing? 2021. Woo! Um, I preached last New Year's, and I had a different picture of the year when I preached that Sunday than this Sunday. So I'm so glad to be back with you. We were just in Northern California in Vacaville, Cowtown, uh, with family. We're so, so excited to get some rest and, and really ready for the year. Um, this is a special Sunday because every Sunday in the new year, we celebrate our birthday. Uh, and this is, this is a really kind of incredible time for Mercy Commons, but it's a very different birthday for us. So my hope is that today, as I share the word, that we'll be encouraged as we step into a, a kind of uncertain year. It's really not uh, a year that we've ever encountered before, um, but I'm really excited for what God's going to do. And so, you know, there's kind of this thing with New Year's, though, this tempt- temptation that a new year will just kind of fix everything, right? And I know this. I did this. I'm like, I just get 2020 over with, and when the calendar changes, we'll just magically go back to Disneyland, and everything will be open, and we'll be great. Um, and some people are kind of resolution people. They make these kind of promises to themselves about what the year is going to look like. I'm that kind of person. And I write down this list of things of, that I want to do and accomplish. And I think 2021 kind of has more pressure because 2020, we didn't really do the list, right? I had a list of stuff and none of it got done. So like 2021, this is the year for travel. This is the year to get things done. And I began to kind of look at my list and say, why, why do I have this list? Why exactly do I have these things? And I reflected on 2020 for myself. 2020 was a year for me that radically changed just how I operated that my emotional health shifted. I'm an Enneagram 8. Emotions are like water and oil for some people. But for me, I learned I need to address what was happening in my heart. And I realized that what was happening at the end of the year was I was just kind of reverting back into habits and hangups that I had the years before. I was forgetting what God had done in the midst of the uncertainty that I need to see today. And so I wanted to bring a verse that's special to me. Um, this is a verse that uh, a leader prayed over me when I was right in high school, came back from a trip from Panama. I was so uncertain about the future. And he prayed this over me, and it set the direction for my life. Um, so a little bit of pressure today, but I'm excited. So if you have your Bible, we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And as we do this, I hope that we can shift our focus from resolution to commission. And I'm going to explain what that means in just a bit, but moving from resolution to commission. So 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, from t- this is uh, Paul writing to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the Lord of the living and the dead, and by his appearance and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, and while itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. The context of this letter for Paul is he is in prison. He had plans, like kind of like us for 2020, he had plans to go visit Timothy and visit the church in Ephesus. But those plans dramatically changed. Paul is in prison, um, awaiting likely his death. And so he's writing this final series of letters to his apprentice, Timothy, who he has sent to be at Ephesus to help kind of teach on his behalf. And so, in a sense, Paul's kind of in a lockdown, but not very voluntary, uh, and a little more dramatic than what we're experiencing today. And so the, really, 
the idea here is that this church is experiencing division, kind of like what we're feeling in our nation today, this division. But it wasn't just political. It was challenging the actual gospel, the truth of the word. And they're kind of challenging leadership as well. They're not really listening to Timothy's words. And so Paul's encouraging this leader about how do you navigate a season where we're not having our plans go as we want and we're having division in the community that we serve. And so I want to give you five things that I believe will shape our 2021. You guys ready for it? Great. So first, Paul tells us to remember the true judge, the one who's really judging our lives. In the verse beginning of this verse, I actually never saw this until I read it uh, during this time of study. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. You know, when I read this, I usually just jumped into all the stuff to do, <laughs> classic, about what do we do? Preach the word and endure. But he begins not with a what, but with a who. He begins with who is the one who's judging your life? Paul's reminding him that the opinions of the people around him don't really matter that much, that everything he's going to say is flowing from this reality of Christ, who is the judge of the living and the dead. And in Orange County, we have this tendency to kind of compare one another, that as we kind of get into 2021, you may be looking at the Instagram feeds of all the books that Jason's read and all the things that you didn't do. I'm like, that's incredible. Um, but the reality is like, we have a comparison syndrome in Orange County that in the beginning of the year, we tend to make resolutions based on what other people are doing. And it's almost as Paul saying to Timothy in this context, don't worry about the opinions of others. Don't worry about what the things that other people are doing. Think about who's judging your life, the living and the dead, the one who has come, who reigns, and who is king. And so when we think about comparison, comparison just robs us of joy. It robs us of the joy that's right in front of us that we already have this blessing, this assurance, this Christ who is coming back. He's going to reign. The pandemic will end. He's going to restore all things. We know that. That's a constant in the midst of uncertainty. And if you're in Christ today, I want to remind you what you already have, that you are provided for, that you are fully loved, that he knows who you are and how 2020 has been for you, and he is with you in it. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to hide. And you ultimately have nothing to prove in 2021. So maybe one of the first things we do is we stop the list for a second and we say, God, I want to remember who you are, that you're the one judging my life. What have you called me to do in this season? We're not living for the approval of other people. So even if Nick gets a Peloton in 2021 and works out and you don't, or Neil keeps his six pack like he always does, like don't compare. Think about what God has called you to do in this season. Ultimately, you give an account for your life, not Nick's life, not Neil's life. So I want you to take a pause for a second. In your life in 2020, whose opinions mattered a little bit too much for you? Whose opinions were you maybe listening to too much that really wasn't about what Christ had called you to do, but about appeasing someone, looking better, being something else than who God has made you to be in this season? 2021 is an opportunity for us to reflect on who has Christ called me to be. So we look to the true judge. Second, we preach the word. This is not just for preachers. This is for all of us. And you got to love Paul. Paul's charge is very simple. He's on the nose, preach the word. That's what he's charged Timothy to do. But recently, the idea of proclaiming the gospel explicitly has become pretty unpopular, and not just outside the church, but in it. So Barna in 2019, because there's no 2020 data yet, but 2019 wrote, most Oh, half of millennials think that it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they would share the same faith one day. So the idea is that if I share my faith with someone who has a different faith, it's wrong for me to hope that they would share the same faith as me. 
really unpopular. But I think the idea of this thing growing in our community is not that about making people feel uncomfortable, but it's because we feel judged in the midst of it. That if we begin to share these things, we feel like we're going to get judged and we're going to lose friendships and relationships. We're going to be put into a position where we can't necessarily say, have the same kind of thing like before. And the reality is that Paul chose his words intentionally to Timothy. He used the word charge. This is a command. This is not a suggestion. Maybe when you feel like it, it is a charge to Timothy to do that. But you've got to ask, why does Timothy need a charge? Timothy's in Ephesus already. He's already preaching to the church. He's already been doing the work of an evangelist. He's already leading. Why does he need a charge? The reality is that it's not that it's difficult to share faith, but it's costly. That it is incredibly costly, and Paul knows this. It has cost him everything to continue to preach the gospel. He is in prison because of it. Michael Green wrote in his book, Evangelism in the Early Church, he, he argues that the early Christianity's explosive growth was in reality accomplished by the means of informal missionaries, everyday believers advancing the mission of the church, not through formal preaching, but in formal conversation, in homes and wine shops, on walks, and around the market stalls. They did it naturally, enthusiastically. Having found treasure, they meant to share it with others to the limit of their ability. To kick off your year with a quote, Timothy Keller comments on this book. He says, in an, it is an informal but sustained relationships and conversation that will be more important in our increasingly secular world. As many Christian beliefs are highly offensive to people, as was the case for the first century, movement towards Christian belief will have to be personal, organic, and incremental. We must question our friends' working answers about meaning, morality, identity, and hope. We must also take time to answer the questions about Christianity. This is why Alpha is so important to us. It's because as we continue on this path and this journey of our nation, it's going to become more and more unpopular. These contexts aren't super popular to attend if you don't know who Jesus is. But your relationships, your interactions, your workplace is where this is becoming vital. Inviting people to conversation and relationship is huge. You know, one of the best people I've seen do this, I'm going to honor them. They don't know I was going to say this, but Lisa Cohen does this really, really well. I've seen her over and over do this, invite people into context and share the gospel explicitly without a sense of, let me apologize, this is really uncomfortable for you. No, this is a hope that she believes and she shares, and I am so proud of the way that you do that. Lisa, just want to thank you for the way that you do that. So 2021 represents opportunity for us to preach the word, to help people cross the line of faith by inviting them into personal and organic relationships. Maybe it's less about standing at a podium and more about opening your door. Maybe make a cheese plate or baggy donuts individually so people can have them. The idea is that we want people to walk in relationship with you. It's unlikely that maybe we'll step into a meeting by accident, maybe here, as we have this opportunity of a gym. But it's more likely they're going to hear it on your walk to the park or your ride to the Fullerton Loop. When we open our life to our neighbor, we have to be ready for the unexpected, though. It's not as uh, cookie cutter. It comes in when the kids are running around and everything's happening. Those moments are unexpected, and we can't fake the outworking of God's gospel in our life as we proclaim the gospel. We have to kind of show them our life before we tell them what we believe. So the next is we have to live ready. So we preach the gospel. Paul then talks about living ready. 2 Timothy 4 verse 2 says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. 
We don't really have seasons in SoCal, so just imagine them. <laughs> Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So live ready. I recently got a mountain bike. It's my wife's fault. She got it for my birthday. And I was fine. I was riding it. Then I became obsessed because Jeremy kept inviting me to rides, and I'm competitive. And so I've been watching endless videos of mountain biking. Sorry, babe. And I, it's obsessive. It's, it's, it's great. Um, I've learned about every bike and every thing and how to move on the bike. And there's some strategy for you as a free little tip. If you're riding a bicycle, this is for Sean, who also crashed. If you're riding a bicycle, if you're, if you're going through obstacles, right, it's good to go back, you shift your way back on the bike and never just slam the front brake because where are you going to go? Over the handlebar. So I'm riding one day and I'm trying to beat my score on Strava, which is probably what came to this under, Strava's a, a tracking so you can kind of see your, your pace against Jeremy. And I'm riding as fast as I can trying to catch up and I'm on this turn. I've done it dozens of times and I know how to do the obstacles. I know the mental knowledge. I have the understanding. But there was something that unexpected happened. This grandma's walking right where I need to turn. So I have an option. I'm going full speed. I'm 210 pounds, 15 pounds. And I can't just break in time. So I said, I know. I'm just going to shift my weight as fast as I can around this grandma and then pull the brake, the front brake. So I go around, and then I hit the front brake, and guess where I go? Sliding down the hill four feet on my shoulder over the handlebars. I had a mental knowledge of what to do, but I didn't have a practical reality that I had lived. I hadn't actually been prepared. I wasn't ready in the season. It's a stupid example, but this is kind of how evangelism kind of looks like in our lives. Well, we know everything. We know the answer. We've done the gospel primer. We've done this, the work. We know what to say. We know the pieces of the gospel, but then either we clam up and we don't know what to say in the moment, or we kind of just fumble and go over the handlebars. But Paul is saying that it's not enough just to know the information. We must live even if the conditions are not right. We need to live ready. We need to know how to be ready in season and out of season. Oswald Chambers in his book, My Upmost for His Highest, he writes, this verse preached the word, be ready in season and out of season. In other words, we should be ready whether we feel like it or not. If we only do what we feel inclined to do, some of us would never do anything. Very, very nice very blunt to Oswald. But he's saying that we can't wait till we feel inspired to be obedient. We can't wait till the stars perfectly align like they did over this Christmas and we can just then have the moment to share because it never comes really because we have to be ready in season and out of season. When it, the house is a mess and it's not the best time but your neighbor knocks on the door and they need to talk about their life with you. They need to share what they have their hopes, and those hopes have been shattered by COVID. They've been shattered by isolation. They've been shattered by the situation that they're in. So I do need to add, though, that obedience is crafted out of a love and devotion that's fanned into flame by the Spirit of God. You can't just fake your way into it. They look at our lives, and you can't fake your life. Eventually, they sniff it out, and so there needs to be a change. So the Christian life is in two parts. There is formation, the changing us to be like Jesus, and there's mission, which is us doing the work with God together. Those two are combined. I made a little formula for you, all the math nerds out there, that they work together, that they're equally weighted and balanced, but together are really powerful. They multiply together. That you cannot have one without the other. And it's not a coincidence that in our life, our, our resolutions tend to be focused on formation, about me, about me and my family and what I want but they need to be balanced with mission about what God has caused us to do, what he's asked us to step into in this season. 
And so self-growth and formation is important, but it's lacking without mission. Paul's context for all of our formation texts is in the context of the church on mission. That if you don't have that, formation is just lacking what it's designed to do. So this is the story of God. This is how it fits in. That he made creation for us to enjoy, for us to be with him. But man pursued their own interests, their own self-worth and identification. And we said, we want to be like God. We're not enough as we are. We need to be something more. I want to make my resolution to just see everything that I want to see. And with that, they unleashed sin and death into the world. So God promised to someone who would restore it for us. He would restore order, bring peace and redemption. And sometimes in our Christian life, we stop there about redemption. But there's a fourth chapter, which is restoration. That we are called into this process with God where he's restoring all things to himself. That's a much more expansive picture of mission for us. That means that, yes, redemption, my changing of myself, me being rescued is part of that, but also it leads into the formation of other people, that we would see our neighbors and friends be changed into the image of God. We tracking? So in order to be effective in mission, we have to be formed by Jesus. But some of us are waiting for inspiration before we move, but it's already been given to you in the form of a commission. We've been given the inspiration that we need. Jesus himself says, go and make disciples of all nations. What I want to encourage us in 2021 is not to wait for conditions to improve before you begin on mission. This is the moment. This is the harvest. It's not, Jesus talks about the harvest. If you remember, there is war happening. There is situation of poverty. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. He sees opportunity in the midst of, unchanging, or of changing circumstances. So let's begin to navigate in these seasons, not waiting for perfect moments, but trusting him in the middle of the uncertainty. All right, so let's talk about how do we navigate out of season then. So next, Paul talks about teach with patience. And continuing on in verse two, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They will have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And we will, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So in our life, we become like Jesus. We're with him. We become like him and do what he did. That's kind of the simple version of discipleship. But if we look at Jesus' earthly ministry, the majority of his time is spent with his disciples teaching them how to live. So there's the crossing the line of faith, but then there's also helping them to become like Jesus. And so the interesting thing about Jesus is if you watch his disciples, a lot of times it's confrontation. It's a correction. It's not like a Peter, yeah, your life is great. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's a get behind me, Satan. Like, I need to correct you. And so in our lives, as we make disciples, it's not going to be easy. It's not a guarantee that after walking for years with people, and I've experienced this, you walk, you invest your life and your time. They may not follow. They may walk away from what you've been doing in their life. And sometimes we need to confront and correct and teach. And so, in our culture, though, confrontation is seen as division. It's seen as, well, if you don't agree with my life, you therefore judge my life. Therefore, you don't like me and you hate me, which is not true. Because in a family, correction is one of the most important forms of care. When we think about our family, we care for them by helping them grow and correcting them. All the parents in the room say amen to that. But in a sense, Paul warns that people are going to look for teaching that aligns to their life as it is now, how they like it but we need to love them back into alignment to how Jesus has called us to live in this year. So what does this mean? It means that you don't just go on Facebook and slam them in the comments, right? But Paul says that patience is the key. 
that we teach them and endure with them and wait with them. We invest our lives to them. And it's easy to rebuke out of anger. It's a lot harder to do it in care and graciousness. In this past week, I was with family, and we had to have a tough conversation um, because things were kind of bubbling up. We had been talking so much about how black lives need to have dignity and be seen with respect. But then at the same time, we kept hearing all this thing about these people are dumb and they're stupid for not believing X. And I'm like, how can you live when we're asking people to respect us and our intelligence and then we demine and we, we, we make fun of people about their intelligence? So we had to have a tough conversation about it as a family. This is how we live. We don't do that. We believe that everyone has dignity. We believe that everyone has worth, even if they disagree with me. I can confront them about it, but we start from the place that they are made in the image of God and they're worth walking with. And that is not going to be popular in 2021. I'm just going to make a prediction, right? That most people are not going to want to endure. They're going to want to separate and isolate because this is unpopular. It's hard and it's heavy. But Jesus has called us today in 2021 to walk with people to endure with them, to love them when they disagree, to bear our life to them, invite them over for dinner. Mission is going to look like that over this next year. And if you're not ready for it, guess what? You have an opportunity to prepare. Be ready in season, out of season. Don't be surprised that in this year, if you find yourself in the midst of people who disagree with you and choose different paths. But I want to encourage you to walk with them, love them. Remember who's watching your life. The Christ, the judge of our life is watching us. You've been asked to preach the word. Now walk with them in the midst of it. All right, we're going to land soon. Last, he says, fulfill your ministry. Second Timothy 4, 5, he says, As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. There's been a lot of great recaps of 2020, and one of my favorites is this video of this UPS driver named Anthony Gaskin. Maybe some of you have seen it. He's been working uh, overtime, delivering over 180 packages a day. I know how many packages are being sent. I work in e-commerce, and I know that we've sold a lot of stuff, and so there's a lot of packages to deliver. Uh, my sister-in-law is a UPS driver as well. And the local residents of his town in Virginia lined up 75 cars down the street and brought in all the neighbors to surprise him, to honor him. And as his truck pulled into the street, he stopped, and he sees all these cars, and they're honking. You have kids who made signs saying, thank you, Anthony. And he stopped. And they had to coax him to drive down the street. He wouldn't drive down the street. So he drives in the street, gets out. His supervisor's there, and he begins to cry. And they honor him for the work he's done. Not because it was easy, but because it was difficult. Because they understood the cost it was. But it's interesting. Why would they do this? Every UPS driver is doing this. Why this guy? Because his life, the way he carried himself in the midst of difficulty, inspired them. That he cared about their life. He knew their stories. He'd been doing the work with a heart of joy. And what made me inspired the most was what he did next. He, he's crying, he wipes his tears, and he gets back in his truck and keeps delivering. And I was like, wow. I mean, his supervisor's here. I think he could just have the day off, right? I think he's earned it. But he instead continues his work. You know, there's something about, something radical about finishing the work in 2021. Just finishing and laboring on. I wish there was an easier way for me to say it. 20 quick tips to get everything done easy. But I just don't have that message today for you. What I have is that it will be tough. We will have to endure. But we have been built for this. We have been made for this. 
Paul knows his life is coming to a close at the end of this message. I won't read the, the text, but he, he says, my life is being poured out like a drink offering, that I've run the race, I've finished the course. And he's encouraging Timothy in his last days, and he's encouraging us to finish well. He's telling Timothy, don't give up. Finish the call. Finish the work that you've been called to. In 2021, it's not about proving that you can do more this year. But it's about living out who you already are that God's called you to be. And as we land and the band comes up, Jeremy, just strum the guitar as we do this. Um, I want to read you the beginning of the letter, how he starts. This is the, the, the verse that I think we need to hear more than ever. First Tim, Second Timothy 1, 6-7, he says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us the spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. As if Paul's saying to Timothy, you already have everything you need to do everything God has called you to do. And Paul knows how tough it is. He knows what Timothy has facing him. We never hear about Timothy's end of his story. I hope it ended well. But church, you have everything you need in this year. You don't need more resolutions necessarily. We need a list of things. But you need the Spirit of God to stir in you this desire to be obedient in seasons of unrest and uncertainty. That what we need more than resolutions is His commission. And when the world loses their mind about things, we stay steady. And when our neighbor chooses to believe something completely different from what we believe, we share the truth with love, with patience. When people give up, we choose to finish the race this year. We choose to fulfill the ministry that God has given us. So as we just even sit for a second, I want to ask you a question. What is the ministry he's given you? Maybe you're in a workplace today and you've been, you're going to go into work on Monday and that's your ministry there. Maybe you're a mom today and it has been a tough multi-job, homeschool, teach, clean, cook, and do your other job. Maybe that's the ministry God has for you. Maybe today you're, God is asking you to step more into invitation that maybe this year you're going to invite people over to your house to sit with them. Not because you have something to prove to them that you're better in any way. We should all know if we're in Christ today that we are the chief of sinners. We have nothing to prove other than that he has rescued us. But I want to encourage you today to take a second before even you sing a word, just to invite the spirit who's already inside of you. Say, Spirit of God, what have you called me today to do? Stir up in me a flame for you have placed inside of me to be effective on mission. If you're today saying, look, I don't really know who Jesus is. I've been in church forever. I want to encourage you and invite you to explore that you may not find a simple answer, but I promise you, you're going to find the answer that means the most to you and matters to your life in this year. We believe that Jesus is one who redeems and saves he rescues, but he also calls us on mission. And that is the most exciting thing you can spend your life on. Tracking with him on what he's called you to do in Fullerton, in the city that you're in. As the season changes and the world divides, this year in 2021, just begin to reimagine it with mission in mind. Yes, formation. Yes, become like Jesus. But also ask, where is he called me to be like him and what he's doing? I want to give you some space as we worship to just reflect on that. What I've learned in 2020 is slowing down is good, <laughs> even if it's forced. And we'll have some time to respond together today.
Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.